0: Welcome, Bird Gang. On today's show, our time is just about over. Here at training camp, That is, Hey, we're not going anywhere. So what did we learn? What questions do we still have? And keep in mind, there are still over two weeks to go until week one. First, though, maybe the number of player wears isn't always that big of a deal. Either that or money talks. Yeah, probably the latter. It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 457, and it starts now. So right off the top, MJ, we have to acknowledge Andy Lee, the elder statesman on the team. He's got the most NFL experience and news yesterday that he is changing numbers. He's worn number four for the majority of his career, including the past two seasons with the Cardinals. Now has decided to wear number 14, which became available after the release of JoJo Ward. Like it, love it, even better because now Rondell Moore gets to switch from 85 to 4, which is what he wore in college. So sounds like everyone is happy, but more importantly, it sounds like Andy Lee is a little bit heavier in the pocket, if you will.
1: Well, he's a seasoned vet. He's going into his 18th season. He was actually part of that uh, Larry Fitzgerald class. Uh, they both went to Pitt. Hey, if I'm Andy Lee, I, I, I guess we got to find out you know, and we're never going to know what the actual number was. But, you know, money talks, Craig.
0: Yes, it does. And head coach Cliff Kingsbury kind of let uh, open the door a little bit on what happened, the discussions, if you will, between Lee and Moore. And according to coach, Rondell Moore, quote, had to be for it. He does not like spending money at all, so it hurt him, but he was very happy to get the number, end quote. And then, of course, there's a follow-up, because earlier in training camp, Rondell Moore announced to the world before he told his mother that he had bought his mom a house. So Rondell Moore is spending money this training camp, and for all the right reasons, of course, first off for his mom, and then to get that number four to wear for the Arizona Cardinals, and, of course, a number that uh, he was very successful with at uh, Purdue. Especially in 2018.
1: Alright, so Kyler Murray's one, Chase's two, Buddha's three, Rondell Murray's four, Matt Prater's five, James Conner's six, Byron Murphy seven, nobody can get eight, Larry Wilson, and then you got uh, Isaiah Simmons Hopkins and Colt McCoy. So, I don't think we're going to see any more guys now get a single digit. I mean, a couple of these guys are on free agents after this for, uh, next year, but We won't have to worry about guys changing from 35 now to a single digit.
0: Well, you just look at the wide receivers that we project to be the top six. Numbers 4, 10, 13, 17, 18, 19. And I don't know. I'm a little old school. Maybe I'm dating myself. But I liked wide receivers wearing numbers in the 80s. Jerry Rice, Steve Largent. And, yes, I'm dating myself here, Bird Gang. But what's wrong with a number in the 80s? I like Rondell Moore in 85. Me too.
1: And, you know, the fact that, you know, the whole Rod Tidwell thing, but more Rob Moore, but, you know, we got a chance to talk to A.J. Green, and he said this guy plays like he's 6'4". So don't get misled on his size because he obviously doesn't drop very many balls. He runs great routes. But, uh, yeah, it's just one of those deals where this stuff matters to these guys. Um, Can you imagine he's looking at, you know, uh, everyone in training camp and finally – uh, 14 becomes available and he gets wind that maybe Andy Lee was, will decide to do that. I mean, we know these punters, kickers, and long snappers, they have a lot of time to communicate <laughs> on the sidelines, uh, especially when offense and defense is on the field. So you wonder how this – maybe Aaron Brewer will fill us in.
0: Maybe that's certainly a topic worth diving into, especially considering that maybe this was pitched – to by Andy Lee or maybe it was Rondell Moore and offered the suggestion to Andy Lee. And then, of course, when Rondell Moore's on the field for offensive practice or special teams practice and the kickers and the special teams guys are sitting there huddled up again, waiting for their turn to get on the football field, maybe Andy Lee discussed it with Matt Prater and Aaron Brewer, maybe even Jeff Rogers and said, hey, you know, sh- should, I- should I help out the rookie?
1: Well, I mean, all this is uh – the only reason we're having this conversation is because they released JoJo Ward.
0: Yes. And that's what happens. And, and, and people follow this because once someone gets released and all of a sudden, hey, that number becomes available and you don't want to do it too early because things change. And we might still have a couple of number changes before all is said and done. Well, when you get to the
1: 53 and, you know, some guys obviously have, you know, we'll see, I, you know, when it comes to certain numbers, but, Chase has told us, I think Connor's told us, they think they're faster because they dropped a digit. Now, 85 is kind of a big numbers.
0: This is number four. So, if they think that, I'm cool with it. They think they're faster. Maybe they look a little slimmer as well. (laughs) The uniform just fits better. I I don't know what it is. I've never been in that position to actually seek out a number, especially um, on the football What's your favorite number? I always toured. Lean toward number thirty-three because growing up I was a Larry Bird fan, so thirty-three was my number. I thought that was what Jerry I tried to. That's what I tried to get was thirty-three. Jerry West, or thirty-three? Yeah, but see, that was a little I bit know. before my I time. Know. Okay. Again, we're dating ourselves no, here on Cardinals' No, My favorite number is
1: twenty-eight. Twenty-eight. Yeah, just because my brother was born on January twenty-eighth, my other brother was born on March twenty-eighth, and I was born on August twenty-eighth. Okay,
0: I like that. So, so I do. But,
1: I do have a 28 jersey at home. I think it was maybe J.J. Arrington.
0: That sounds about right.
1: Yeah. So I do have a Cardinals 20. 20- Eight jersey at home.
0: See, that sounds a lot better than what my reasoning is. I'm looking <laughs> up as someone that played the game, and you're going with the family aspect. So, oh, wait, wait, wait to bury me here, uh, MJ. Nicely done. It's just numbers. <laughs> that is true. It is It is just numbers. Cardinals cover two presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals as we continue here from State Farm Stadium. Yes, Cardinals training camp powered by Cox. The end of training camp is this week, and it also coincides with the last preseason game. The Shame breaks camp Thursday. The preseason finale is Saturday. We wanted to be able to spend some time talking about what we learned during the four-plus week stay here, plus also set the stage for the game at New Orleans. So this show will be about camp, and then our next show will give our thoughts on what we expect to see on Saturday. And hopefully, with one more media availability, we'll get the answer that has been asked of Coach Kingsbury since last Friday night. How much, if at all, will the starters play against the New Orleans Saints? We're both on record saying we don't think very much, but nothing definitive has been said about that. Maybe, maybe that will come after the last training camp practice on Thursday. But when you look at the number of practices, I believe, 21 practices, and I'm not counting the run test, MJ, but 21 practices and a handful of those were in full pads, including on Wednesday. But your biggest takeaway, if you will, from what we discussed going into training camp, what we saw during training camp to now, as it was almost an exact full month time.
1: We always talk about on paper. You know, and when you add a guy on paper, then and, and we, you know, we got to figure it out during the season. So I think based on, you know, where they were going in the camp, they did have, uh, you know, the normal off season. The rookies had their camp, they had the OTAs, they had the mandatory mini camp. I think they're a much better football team as the end training camp here. And, you know, we're going into camp. We thought, all right, how's the right guard going to figure out? And then we, you know, Justin Murray's missed some time. And then Brian Winters, fast forward to, the, you know, almost at the end of camp. Both around on the field. JJ Watt is off the PUP list. We talked about Dennis Gardeck. You know, how's the corner going to pan out? You know, the. Zayvon Collins, is it too big for him? And the, I think, you know, we're not going to find out until the season, but I think all that, you know, those 10 questions or, you know, who's going to break out or who's the, you know, we talked about the Rodney Hudson signing. Matt Prater clearly was a great signing. Colt McCoy, we didn't know about Colt McCoy. You watch him in practice and just how he runs the offense. So, you know, I, I'm more um, – optimistic not that I wasn't going in but you, you got to put the work in and I'll tell you this this team competes in practice they do a lot of different drills you normally see them in the offseason you'll have defensive linemen doing the same drills as defensive backs and so uh, I really think they're coached up well they're in shape but they compete every day
0: and this to your point yes it is a much improved team from the start of training camp to the end and that's the goal the other goal is to come out healthy. And I do think, considering all of the injuries that this team suffered, especially along the defensive line, I do think this team is healthier. Now, given the fact that J.J. Watt is on the field, you mentioned Justin Murray and Brian Winters. Let's touch on that because that was the number one position battle that we discussed going into training camp and maybe really the only position battle on either side of the ball that needed to be answered or we hoped would get an answer, and that was the starting right guard. It remains unanswered here on August 25th, and we might not know until the week of week one against the Tennessee Titans. But Josh Jones, Justin Murray, Brian Winters – I can make a case for all three to slide in there and be the starter. Jones, obviously, he's gotten the most reps in training camp, so there's a lot of film on him. Justin Murray has got the knowledge of this offense and, of course, the eyes of this coaching staff having done the job late last season. And then Brian Winters just because of experience and then working alongside Kelvin Beachum when they were teammates with the Jets. So I don't know if there's an odds-on favorite amongst those three. I certainly can see whether you'd rank Jones first or Murray first or Winters first. I don't believe that a decision has been made, and I don't think we're going to get an answer even after this weekend against the Saints.
1: I agree with a lot of that. I just haven't seen enough of winners. Uh, and Justin Murray, I mean, i got to assume he's he, you know he's a guy that's competing for a job, if not the swing tackle. So if Justin Pugh's out, maybe we get a chance to see him on the line. Uh, I just think when you look at Josh Jones and – the Cardinals were thrilled. They had him rank 30 on their board. He, they got him in the third round at 62. You know, he came in and played maybe 61 snaps as an extra blocker. He's He's got a ton of reps, and, you know, he's building chemistry with both Rodney Hudson and Kelvin Beecham. So I don't know if there's a favorite, but I just look at the guy that's had the most reps, and that's Josh Jones.
0: Now, with Justin Murray, if you do slide him in there at the starting right guard spot and something – unfortunate let me knock on what happens to either tackle position are you better right now to insert murray at right guard and then if needed slide him to tackle or are you better to have jones at or murray or excuse me or winters at the guard and then have justin murray in the wings waiting or perhaps, if needed, to play the tackle position. In other words, how many different changes on an offensive line do you want to make during the course of a season if one guy should go down?
1: Okay, Uh, I'll say this. They're going to address eight on game day, so we know Max Garcia is your backup center guard. And then, uh, you know, Josh Jones is going to be active on game day, and then Justin Murray, and, and, and I'm assuming Justin Pugh will be at left guard. So at that point... We know Josh Jones played left tackle at Houston over 40 starts. He, he is getting some look at right tackle. I and mean, Beecham played all 16 games last year. We'll see if he can play all 17 this year. So uh, I think, you know, when you look at it on paper, they feel like they got nine or ten guys in camp. And, again, you can dress eight on game day. They could have slid a couple of these guys in the practice squad. So um, if you just want to break it down, Beecham can play both left and right. Hump's more of a left guy. Pugh can play left guard and right guard. Garcia can play center in both guards. Uh, Murray can play four different positions down the line except for center. Josh Jones can play right guard, left guard, right tackle. I don't know about his feet playing left tackle. So there's definitely position flexibility, and Brian Winters can play guard and center.
0: I'll say this, Bird Gang, it is an excellent problem to have as far as the number of offensive linemen that this team has because I do think that they are solid eight deep with respects to Max Garcia as your backup center and whether whatever combination you throw in at right guard, the other two guys are going to be backups. And in the case of Jones and Murray, they both have the experience to play tackle. So, again, this is on paper. We need to see it now come the regular season, just how strong of a unit this can be, talking about the offensive line, because I do think it can be a strength offensively. That is, one, if everyone stays healthy, and two, everyone does their job and win their one-on-one matchups.
1: There's no doubt, and listen, at the end of the day, this has to be the strength of the offense. Yes, they're paid to protect and obviously open up the running game, and you got your skill position players. But if they can do their job, it's going to make a lot easier for Kyler Murray and the running backs. And, and, and again, I think their strength on offense, besides the skill position, is, is the offensive line. They can go eight or nine deep. Um, you want to have the same five guys. You don't want to start rotating guys. With heavy, even though last year Sweezy kind of wore down a little bit. He played a ton of snaps. And then defensively, I think they got a really good rotation. The thing is you just got to stay healthy. But I, I do like where they are in the trenches. And to me, that's where the game is won at the end of the day.
0: You mentioned do your job. And the job for Zavin Collins as the mic backer, calling the defense, being the extension of Vance Joseph on the field, one of the bigger, if not the biggest, question mark going into training camps, especially when you talk about the defense, could he handle the job? And I don't think we got a specific answer. I do think this is something that will be an ongoing thing, maybe through the first half of the season, to pay attention to. But I'll say this, I'm much more confident in Zayvon Collins being the quarterback of the defense than I was maybe four weeks Ago because we've seen it and we didn't have that luxury when all this news broke that hey, he's our starting Mike linebacker, no questions, it's his job. But I do think he has earned to be earned that job as Mike backer. I'll say
1: this another storyline going in what was going to happen with Jordan Hicks? I mean, they allowed him and his agent to go seek a deal. Um, he comes in here, he lets everyone know he's not happy uh, in the national media and local well, why did they anoint Zayvon Collins on draft night? Uh, because I think they looked at what happened in Week 16 and 17. They weren't going to deal with that anymore. They need, you need two really good linebackers that can play sideline to sideline. So, but Jordan Hicks, um, he's had a great camp. He's in shape. Um, you know, the, the coaches on the defensive side of the ball thought they played him too much last year, and it, he played pretty much every snap the last couple of years, and you're going to wear down. Um, but I think in the first couple games of the season, you're going to see Jordan Hicks on the field with Zavin Collins and Isaiah Simmons. You know, in last year uh, during the open portion of practice, uh, Simmons sometimes jumps in the defensive back drills. I mean, he's going to play like three or four different positions. So I think having Hicks out there is going to help Collins. Now, clearly he's going to make the call, but when you have a J.J. Watt and a Buda Baker and a Chandler Jones, I think they'll help him with that. Ultimately, he's going to make that decision.
0: Yeah, the past two days of uh, practice during the open portion when they're doing their position drills, we've seen Isaiah Simmons and Ezekiel Turner one work with the outside linebackers and then the next day work with the cornerbacks. And according to head coach Cliff Kingsbury, Simmons, quote, will be where we want him to be to get the maximum out of him, which I completely agree with because he is a talent that you want to make sure he feels comfortable in whatever position and whatever job he's being asked to do.
1: One thing. About Collins, he's physical. He does every drill, hundred miles an hour. Now Isaiah's more of a finesse player because of his size, but Collins really sticks out where he's not afraid to put you know split a double team and get a tackle for loss. You saw that in shorts, but when you saw it in camp and you saw that preseason game and the second snap against the Cowboys, he is physical, and that's something maybe they didn't have last year. Nothing against Jordan Hicks, but this is a young guy. He's an alpha male, and you can see the physicality.
0: And he's getting better calling the defense. Buda Baker earlier this week asked about how that communication is going, and he admitted it's getting better. I mean, it's not perfect, but for Zayvon Collins, quote, It's his defense. He's got to make the play calls. And then he brought up this interesting aspect because if the wrong call is made or something, there's some miscommunication, Baker was, quote, if we're all wrong, we're all right. In other words, at least we're all operating. If the wrong call has been made, at least we are all know where we're supposed to be and what our job is, and then we can go back and try to correct things later. And that is something that's, when we speak with Vance Joseph on a weekly basis, I do think is going to come up. You know, how is Evan Collins handling things? Is there confusion? Is he making the correct reads? Is he making the correct adjustments? And, you know, from what we've seen, and, you know, I haven't noticed a lot. I mean, there's always, there's always hand signals. There's always gestures. And I don't know if that's a sign of confusion or just making sure that when you give me a hand signal, I'm signaling back that I understand what I'm supposed to do.
1: Well, I think the biggest it- – the biggest issue is going to be pre-snap and then the motion. How, how things change when the quarterback breaks the huddle because now all of a sudden that's when you 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 got to start moving guys around. You can you can hit JJ a lot on his hip and I want you to be in this gap, okay? And then all of a sudden, are they going to play press on the outside? Which you know, obviously whatever they call you'll dictate. Are they going to go zone? So. I think that's going to be the biggest adjustment, and we've pointed out there's going to be growing pains. You just hope that the first couple of weeks he's able to feel comfortable. The game's not too big for him. I think the physicality he'll match up with anybody, and then you know when you get to you know week three and four, you hope that you know maybe the mental mistakes aren't as, as uh, apparent as maybe it happened in the first couple of weeks. I mean, you, you got to think there's butterflies in a preseason game, let alone coming out of the tunnel. On the road in your first NFL game,
0: those first two games at the Titans, home to the Vikings, as far as what those two teams like to do, and that's run the football, be physical, pound it up the middle with, of course, Derrick Henry and Dalvin Cook. And I do think it is going to be a welcome to the NFL moment for Zayvon Collins, and maybe even a little bit for Isaiah Simmons. But I don't think you could ask for a better start to a regular season, especially when you're dealing with two young inside linebackers.
1: Well, and they heart on physicality. And you know, I got to think when you look at that lineup in Week One, Corey Peters on the nose. You know, we'll see what happens with Jordan Phillips. You got Zach Allen. You got J.J. Watt. So, I mean, that's where it's all going to start, and then the rotation. But clearly, the, going into that game, you are going to have to stop Derrick Henry, and then obviously, you know, when look at the wideouts, A.J. Uh, Brown or A.J. Brown, and then um, Julio Jones. So, yeah, we'll, we'll, as we get closer, we'll definitely break the game down, but it's going to be a physical match the first couple weeks, and then we'll see what happens in Jacksonville.
0: You brought up Jordan Hicks. I want to touch on him in a moment, but first things first, Bird Gang, want to remind you and update you that the next episode of the Emmy Award-winning Cardinals flight plan comes your way August 26th. It's Episode 5, titled Take the Lead, and that episode will debut again August 26th on the Arizona Cardinals' official YouTube channel. Again, taking you behind the scenes of what's been happening here at Cardinals training camp, Powered by Cox, Jordan Hicks, Chandler Jones. Two players that we each had questions about going into training camp. One, would they report? And then two, how would they handle themselves in training camp? Well, the answer to the first part is both Hicks and Jones reported to camp and both reported with smiles on their faces. Now, maybe, you know, privately they're still upset given their situations. Hicks as far as his starting job being taken away and Jones apparently wanting a contract extension again we have not heard from Chandler Jones and only he can answer that question but I'll say this that those two players and I know Jones has been out for the past couple of days with an injury but when they have been on the football field Hicks and Jones they're first in line in their individual position drills and then they are active, very active on the football field. None of this holding in like we've seen around the league, like in Seattle. These players are on the football field competing. And that says a lot about them. And I do think Chandler Jones is poised to have a great season coming off an injury. And then, of course, with the addition of J.J. Watt, how much that might take some of the attention away from 55 to allow Jones to do what he does best, and that's get after the quarterback.
1: Yeah, I mean, I believe it was Marcus Spears. And I really like that NFL Live show. They have made a lot of progress, you know, Mina Kainz. On on ESPN. Yes. And he came out and said, and I didn't think about this, he said Chandler Jones has fresh legs. He only played five games last year. We know that he came in a little heavy. He's in great shape right now. He thinks he's going to lead the league in sacks somewhere around 17, 18. I mean, hey, he's betting on himself. And then, you know, we'll see what happens after the season. But Marcus Spears said, and I didn't think about that, right, he came in much better shape um he's he's energized he's smiling out there he's having fun he's flying around these guys love football you know according to J.J. Watt there's there's a handful of guys on defense that just love football and he's one of them so I I like what Marcus Spears is saying because I you know again if he can stay healthy he's gonna put up double digits in sacks
0: no one has more sacks Then Chandler Jones, 97 since 2012, and he's five-and-a-half sacks shy of Freddie Joe Nunn's mark of 66-and-a-half for the all-time mark with the Arizona Cardinals, and that's just a number that I don't think anyone expected Jones to reach, yet here he is, and he's done it in a very short amount of time, and hopefully this is not his final season with the Arizona Cardinals. But thoroughly impressed by Hicks and Jones and how they've handled things here in training camp. Also been impressed, and you brought him up as well, Colt McCoy, the player we hope to never see in 2021. Colt McCoy, the backup quarterback, the man who is in the year of of Kyler Murray, and I do think that is a voice that one Kyler Murray will listen to and then also be a second set of eyes for Murray as far as diagnosing what opposing defenses are going to do. It's a veteran in that quarterback's room that I do not think Kyler Murray had the past two seasons. Again, that's nothing against Brett Hundley, but McCoy has the experience, plus he's a Texas quarterback, and Kyler Murray looks up to all things Texas. Being from that area, he grew up watching Colt McCoy. Yes, they went to different colleges, but Colt McCoy was a stud in high school and in college, and now he's in that room to help Kyler Murray take that next step.
1: And the, and the key here is that Kyler's teaching him the offense. So there's where he can help him is recognizing coverages. You know, go through your progressions. If you see this kind of defense, and, and clearly they're, they're watching film together, but the fact is Kyler's teaching him the offense and he's teaching him what it's like to break the huddle and what a defense looks like. I'm sure Kyler has a, he's aware of it, but just to get pointers, if you see this safety doing this, then all of a sudden you got one-on-one coverage on the outside. So the fact that he's teaching him in the offense and he's teaching him how to be a, a veteran quarterback, so to speak, it, it can only help each other.
0: Well, and even when McCoy has been on the field in preseason action, he's looked very solid. He's thrown the ball well. He's read defenses. He's gotten everyone in correct position. He's moved the football up and down the field. So if for whatever reason, and again, let's hope it never happens, you feel comfort you feel confident that you have someone on the sidelines that could spell Kyler Murray for a series or two, or if necessary, maybe a week or two, and then not lose your position either within the NFC West or the entire NFC because you have a capable backup behind QB one. Like
1: I said, they you know last year in camp we just assumed Huntley was going to be the backup. There was no preseason games, and I didn't know this until camp started. But Huntley did not perform very well. And then they had the you know intrigue with Chris Stravler Shre- to where maybe Tyson Hill short yardage, even though you don't take Murray off the field. So it's it's night and day. And Stravler actually improved. I mean, he has. He has. I mean. Last year, you know, it was difficult in that game for him. He was throwing the mix, no preseason. The game's a lot faster and he was throwing the ball, and that wasn't good. Here he's making better decisions, and he's throwing the ball uh, much better, and you could see he's more comfortable in this offense considering it's his second year.
0: A couple of other things, Bird Gang, that we learned here in training camp. One, and it was a question mark, Matt Prater will have no trouble kicking off this season, and we had an opportunity to speak with Matt's Earlier this week on the Cardinals Red Sea Report, a great conversation. You can catch it in the archives on azcardinals.com. But Matt Prater is certainly excited about being here and then mentioned to us that, look, he wasn't asked to kick off in Detroit. They had someone who could handle it, and now he's here with the Cardinals. They want him to kick off, and whether that's kicking deep or angling it, kicking it short, I do hope to see this team kick the ball short and rely on those coverage units to pin the opposing offense inside the 20-yard well, line. Well,
1: I'm paraphrasing here, but he did mention how impressive the, the special units are, especially when you're you're covering kicks, and I think that goes back to Jeff Rogers. You know, he's, he's assistant head coach, special teams coordinator. You know, he'll have input on five to eight guys, and we know when it comes to the long snapper, uh, the punter and the kicker, they're, they're going to be there. But um, the fact is that, you know, um, Again, if this, if Prater was on the team last year, Cardinals would have made the playoffs.
0: Yes, because they lost, I believe it was, three games by a field goal, and you make that kick, and then all of a sudden this team is in the playoffs and hopefully maybe making a run in the postseason. That's what everyone expects here in 2021.
1: Yeah, and, you know, you know I, 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 it's tongue-in-cheek. I don't want to see 22-yard field goals, but, hey, if, if you've got to get points, yes, seven's better than the nothing, get the three, but I when they get in the red zone, I, I think with the addition of James Conner and A.J. Green and R- Rondell Moore and Chase and even Kyler Murray, I, I can see this team, the efficiency in the red zone scoring touchdowns should go up.
0: The other thing we learned, and nothing official, but based off what we've seen and what we've heard, four not three running backs are likely to make the team. One, because of how good, you know, Benjamin has looked and how well this team likes Jonathan Ward in the special teams game. But then we heard the question from Darren Urban, our colleague on azcardinals.com. He specifically asked Kingsbury, can you see this team keeping four running backs? And without hesitation, Kingsbury said, I do. So, uh, you know, Again, a lot can happen between now and you got to make your final 53-man roster. But put it this way, MJ, I would be more surprised – if the number was three running backs as opposed to four?
1: No, I mean, uh, we can sit here. I don't have a horse in the race. I just, I'm just i a big fan of Jonathan Ward. I think he's similar to Chase Edmonds and, and James Conner. I think he's a little bit more physical, downhill runner. Eno Benjamin has had a great offseason. It carried over to training camp. It's carried over to the preseason. We're going to see him. Uh, the question becomes, how many running backs are active on game day? If Rondell Moore is your return punt returner and kick returner, there's no spot for Eno. Jonathan Ward plays on teams and he's also a guy that can run out. I think he's probably as fluid uh, as Eno when it comes to pass protection and also catching the ball, the backfield, you can put him in the slot. So now the question but I, listen, all four are deserving. We know about the top two but I think Eno really showed up this offseason. He told us on the Red Sea Report, he had a conversation with Steve Kime. They believed him and you know, Cliff kind of described him as as a you know a, a good solid runner, where he hits the hole pretty quick. And we know that the numbers he put up in college. But but I, I there's no doubt in my mind four will make it. It's just how many are active on game day. And I got to think Ward would have the advantage.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. But I could see certain situations, certain weeks where all four running backs are active, and I think that would just depend on a numbers game as far as at other positions, because a year ago we did see, I think it was maybe once or twice, you know, four tight ends handful of times there were three tight ends active just because if Eno Benjamin is given the opportunity to return kicks and maybe you don't want as much wear and tear on Rondell Moore for him to handle both, then I could see all four running backs active. But I do agree with you that Jonathan Ward, with what he offers special teams-wise, he's a little bit ahead of Eno Benjamin on that depth chart. Now, as far as running backs, they do things a little bit different. But when you're the third running back, there's no guarantee you're going to get in a, a carry. You might get zero, probably won't get any because a lot of that's going to go to Edmonds and James Conner.
1: Yeah, I, I look at Eno, and I think he's got a similar skill set to Chase Edmonds. I, I don't know about, you know, catching the ball in, in the open field. The guy you didn't mention, Kyler Murray. Yeah, You don't need just, to dress
0: for on game day. <laughs> I just don't want to see number one run a lot. Because if he's running a lot, then that says something about the offense. And I'll have flashbacks to last year. And
1: and I'm fair with that. But don't put the handcuffs on him. I know that he hasn't been able to, you know, uh, be 100% nobody is in the month of December or first week in January. But that's who he is. He's a dual threat. If he wants to put the ball down and run, pick up the first down, he's going to slide. So, uh, again, uh, it's a luxury but we have to include them in this running back conversation.
0: True. And we sometimes forget about that. And I appreciate you reminding me here on Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Surprises this training camp. I'm going to give you two, and you can either agree or disagree or throw someone else at you uh, or out at me. The, The biggest surprise for me is A.J. Green, if healthy. And we saw him healthy at the start of training camp and at the end of training camp. He missed some time in between. If healthy, he can have a very, very good season in this offense because, as we've talked about a lot, he is not the number one wide receiver. He's fine with that. I think he'll relish that. But as much as people focus on the other guy, DeAndre Hopkins, I think A.J. Green is going to have a number of targets, and what does he do with those targets and how he can help this offense move the football. I'm not
1: surprised. Everything we heard in the off-season, from the quarterback, from the head coach, uh, the flight plan, I'm not surprised. He's got to stay healthy. Um, if I look at a surprise, y- you just see a name on paper and a draft pick, Marco Wilson.
0: I've got him written down as well, yes, without Marco, question.
1: And then Victor DiMuchegi. Yeah. I mean, these guys are going to make the roster. Nothing against, you know – Tay Gowan and Wiggins and possibly Michael Manette. I oh, don't know. I mean, Marco Wilson, you know, he's going to get a lot of time, I would assume, in this Saints game. I mean, right now he's he's the – He's the fourth corner. He's one play away from being one of the top three corners in camp.
0: And when fans were in attendance, there were a couple of times where we did see Marco Wilson get some reps with the first-team defense. Now, I do think there's going to be a rotation with that cornerback room, but, yeah, I would put Marco Wilson as a pleasant surprise because with day three draft picks, you don't know how they're going to handle things that jump from offseason to the training camp to preseason and an extra-large playbook. I do understand, yes, he's from Florida. He went, played, and competed against the best in the SEC. But there is a difference. But I'll say this. That time in the Southeastern Conference has prepared him for the National Football League.
1: And I like his swagger. I mean, it's not cocky. It's not arrogant. He, he's comfortable in his own skin. It's going to be interesting if we can fast-forward to week one, September 12th. If if the Titans come out with two wide receivers, it's going to be uh, – I would assume it's going to be um, Robert Alford and and Byron Murphy because it looks like, you know, at certain points, you know, Malcolm Butler, if teams go three wide, which is 70%, but I got to think if they go two wide receivers and they go with some tight ends, obviously to load up on the box with Derrick Henry, I think you're definitely going to see Alford and and, uh, Byron Murphy out there. And then when they go three wide, we're going to see. uh, Malcolm Butler.
0: There was a thought with the addition of Was Denard, and Daryl Worley that you could bring Wilson along a little bit slowly. And I think that's what a lot of teams do when you have a draft pick and you're looking to make an investment, not just one season but seasons and I think Wilson has surprised enough people or done enough to where it's okay, maybe we don't need to go out and look for anyone else, and if Denard and Worley are healthy, if they've done enough here in training camp, you can keep that veteran around as a backup just in case if you go with five cornerbacks. That does leave Tay Gowan out of the mix at the moment, but your top three are veterans, Murphy, Butler, and Alford, And then here comes a rookie, Marco Wilson, who, let's hope that this is a draft pick that becomes the next Byron Murphy, that becomes the next Patrick Peterson because that cornerback position has not been addressed in recent years outside of Murphy when we talk about the draft. Well,
1: we're going to find out. And you know, Robert Alford's on a one-year deal. Malcolm Butler's on a one-year deal. We know Murphy's on his rookie contract. Listen, Marco Wilson's going to dress on game day. He's going to be on special teams. uh, I'm told that Darquez Denard is still in the mix. He can play a little safety. He can play inside and outside. But, again, how many corners do you dress on game day? So maybe he's the fifth corner, and I agree with you. Maybe they don't go out and look for another corner. Because, you know, Vance runs a very complex defense. I mean, a lot of pressure, a lot of man-to-man. So I, you wouldn't gotta unless it's a name player. But I think they like their uh, their room right now. Again, how many do you dress on game day? Marco Wilson will be active on game day.
0: Some training camp standouts. I think there's a lot in that wide receiver room. Antoine Wesley, Greg Dortch, Andre Bacelli. they've all had their moments. They've all flashed, whether that means anything as far as a 53-man roster or perhaps the practice squad. And I think Max Williams has stood out as well. Not a surprise like A.J. Green, but has been steady throughout training camp. And that's another guy, if healthy, if you have a healthy Max Williams, then all of a sudden that middle of the field, I think, can be wide open for Kyler Murray.
1: I'd like 11 personnel, three wide, Max Williams. I mean, he's got good size, uh, you know, wearing number 87. So I I think there's a connection down the seam, and that's where Kyler Murray needs to get uh, improvement, 11 to 19 yards. I mean, so Kyler's in the gun. He sees Max release. Yes, all all eyes are going to be on A.J. Green, Rondell Moore, Christian Kirk, Chase, or Hop. It's wide open, and so I think it's going to be a connection, and I think last year you got a chance to see that with Dan Arnold going down the seam.
0: Last season, Max Williams had eight catches for 102 yards and one touchdown, but he missed seven games because of an ankle injury, and that – certainly hampered this offense. Now, eight catches, 102 yards, and a touchdown for wide receivers, that's that's one week's worth of work. But it's just the threat to have a tight end on the field. Someone that can, yes, block and then, two, be an asset in the passing game as far as the ability to catch the football. And I think Max Williams has made some outstanding catches. A lot of them in traffic down the middle of the field where you know you're going to get hit. You're going to get bumped. Can you hang on to the football? And nine times out of ten, Max has done just that
1: exactly I mean uh, look I always consider him the meat and potatoes and I do like the pickup of Demarius Harris Um, you know again I think the Cardinals keep three tight ends Ross Travis could be a practice squad option I do think three will be active on game day Darrell Daniels needs to be a little bit more consistent Um, but I like it and the Cardinals have shown they'll go 12 personnel which is two tight ends and all of a sudden now It gives Kyler Murray a little bit more time. You can run out of that formation. You can spin the ball down the field if he's got protection. So, again, you can always upgrade at every position, but I think on paper what these tight ends are going to be asked, let's be honest, they're not going to throw the ball a ton to the tight
0: ends. No, they're not going to be targeted a lot, but I do think they could have some valuable targets, specifically on third and long and then in the red zone, maybe inside the 10-yard line.
1: Well, again, it's – you look at running backs and tight ends. It's about matchups. It's you know that's what the NFL has gone through over the last couple of years. Running backs on on uh, linebackers on running backs mismatch. Tight ends on linebackers mismatch. And that's where you got to take advantage of matchups. And that's where the tr- the league is going. And again, uh, you got to worry about Hop. You got to worry about Green. You got to worry about the other uh, wide receivers. So Max, you know, again, if he can get past the linebacker in front of the safety, you're right. He's going to get blown up a few times. You take big hits when you you catch that ball on the
0: seam. Now, it hasn't always been rosy here in training camp, Bird Gang. There has been some disappointments. And the biggest disappointment for me, we talk about on paper, and that is just the number of defensive linemen that have been on paper and not on the football field. And it began with J.J. Watt. It continued with Jordan Phillips. You've got Zach Allen, who has been in and out of the uh, practices. Leckie Fautou, Richard Lawrence, they've all missed time. Lux- luckily, this team was able to add Corey Peters, who I think is going to have a bigger role than many people anticipated. Now, a lot of those players we talked about, Allen has returned, Fautou has returned, Rashard Lawrence was back during the open portion of practice on Wednesday, but it was the amount of reps that those players, what your top four, your top five defensive linemen, missed a huge chunk of training camp to where there's a lot, not known about how they are going to operate, especially if that's the first line of defense against the running game, where you're facing the Titans and Vikings weeks one and two. I would be more
1: concerned if you told me these guys are, you know, going to start the season on IR, and you can't do that until you come up with a 53-man roster. I guess I'm disappointed in Jordan Phillips; it just hasn't been able to stay healthy, get on the field, because you know they gave him a nice little contract, and you know they're going to need him. Um, you know, J.J. Watt, I understand. Uh, he came back earlier than I initially thought. I think bringing Corey back makes a lot of sense. Zach Allen, I think, will continue to make progress. And then you look at the two inside uh, run stuffers. So uh, if, if you we were sitting here talking about, well, uh, they got to go out and find a defensive tackle and free agency or they're going to sign a guy off the street, that's not the case. Unfortunately, or for fortunately, it helped Michael Dogby. It helped Marcus Hunt. It helped Josh Morrow. You know, some of these other guys in – David Perry was in here until he got released so it it, it helps some other guys get, you know to me Josh Morrow and Marcus Hunt I would consider those guys for the practice squad
0: and that's what you like to see is when someone goes down or misses some time there's an opportunity for someone else to take advantage and along that defensive line a number of players have taken that advantage what's that mean You know, I'm sure it gives them confidence and certainly confidence in those scouts and the front office who brought them here. Can't keep everyone because you're going to keep six and maybe seven. And that seventh, is that Dogby? Is that Josh Morrow? Is that someone else? I do like, on paper, your top six. It's just we haven't seen those six players on the practice field and during training camp.
1: Well, the good news is, but well, we have seen, you know, J.J. Watt participate in drills. We have seen Corey Peters participate in drills. So that that's a plus. We just haven't seen Jordan Fields. Listen, they're going to have a bye week next week, like all 32 teams. Uh, they'll get it ramped up, and we'll, we'll see it. We, we, even though we're not going to be able to watch practice, I'm assuming that's how they're going to line up. And then, you, you know, you want to have a good rotation. You know, J.J. Uh, you know, Watt was asked about, you know, playing X amount of snaps. And, you know, it's going to be difficult in the fourth quarter. You know, early in the season, if he needs a breather and, you know, the game's on the line, he's going to be out there. And then you get to December, what is his snap count? And I think Kyle Vandenbosch, who's really brought a lot to the table, like Bertrand Barry, is that, you know, maybe every third possession, just take him out, you know, let him get his legs, uh, you know. Because you go from playing, you know, 65 snaps to 40 or 45, you're going to be a lot fresher. And clearly he's a physical guy. He plays with a lot of energy. He, that story he told us about his first uh, game, was it a preseason game? Or- preseason
0: game. His first preseason game, he warmed up <laughs> as if it was the Super Bowl and was completely exhausted by the time <laughs> kickoff arrived. He, he, yeah, so
1: he he's hes a seasoned vet. But it's just, you know, it's I just like seeing him in a cardinal uniform. He's got that big uh, brace on. He wears number 99. I mean, he just sticks out. And when he does drills, he doesn't, you know, 100%. So, like I said, I – I'm just ready to unwrap the presents on Christmas.
0: Absolutely. Week one will be here before you know it. Finally, with respects to Cardinals training camp, powered by Cox, the one story that won't go away and it will not go away once we hit the regular season and every team is going to deal with it, the Cardinals are not alone. They've had their issues. But COVID-19, we talk about staying healthy. You also have to be a little lucky to survive a full 17-game regular season season get into the postseason, make a run, get to the Super Bowl. And those teams that stay the healthiest, that are the luckiest with respects to COVID-19, they do everything that they're supposed to. And even then, you can still test positive. But it's sometimes, and maybe most of the time, not always about the talent, but some of those teams that the breaks go their way. And hopefully here in 2021, the Cardinals get those breaks.
1: It's going to be a story all year. And and again, I don't think you're going to have to put, you know, an extra, uh, you know, kick around the practice squad just because you're worried about that. Now, the Cardinals' numbers are, are good, you know, when it comes to we'll find out going into the season, but they're over 90% according to reports. Maybe some have their first test, but you know, again, if you have if you're vaccinated and somehow you have symptoms and depending on how you feel, you can return a lot sooner. So, the majority of the team, and we know the entire coaching staff, uh, is vaccinated. So it, it can happen, but um, it's, it's better to come back within five days with no symptoms and you test uh, negative for five days versus missing 12 to 14 days where you really can hurt your team.
0: It is going to be fascinating to pay attention to. And of course, we'll have it all right here on Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. There is one more training camp practice on Thursday. We'll have a recap. But also, it's a lot about what we anticipate and hope to see come preseason game number three against the Saints.
1: Now, is it like the last day of school? (laughs) Now, in Flagstaff, I mean, guys were
0: running. Guys
1: backed their cars in. They would load their their cars because they stayed in the dorm at the time. Their pillows and TVs and fans and uh, video games and they would, they would literally, you know, some guys wouldn't even take a shower. They go to the locker room, maybe a quick shower, put their sweats on, and they would back their cars down and then would drive down I-17. So, um, I can't see them being on the field as long as they can. I think Cliff knows that they're getting antsy. Obviously, you knock out this next preseason game. They're going to leave on Friday in the afternoon, and then hey, when they get back, they got a bye week, and then it's time to go. It's go time go
0: time all the way let's hope till the middle of february sign me up on that note let's put a lid on this edition of cardinals cover two presented by hyundai proud partner of the arizona cardinals as always special thanks to our executive producer jim amohandro for mike jarecki i'm Craig Riolu. we'll talk to you next time here on cardinals cover two